The sounds of a busy hospital kitchen have changed over the years, including at Peace Arch Hospital. New technology and prepackaged meals, introduced for greater efficiency and cost savings, have somewhat muted the clanging of pots and pans. But there's a new movement underway to return to an old concept full service food production with meals prepared from scratch. In this episode, we'll learn why these production kitchens, as they're called, are making a comeback and how they can play a major role in creating shorter hospital stays and improve patient outcomes. Here's a hint. It's all about choice. This is The Power to Heal. In this series of podcasts, we'll focus on the many innovative ways Peace Arch Hospital, located in White Rock, British Columbia, Canada, has been an integral part of its community. We'll take you behind the scenes of the hospital's dynamic fundraising arm and talk to those who are instrumental in creating new initiatives to help this important healthcare facility grow and evolve along with the town it serves. Back in the 1990s, the Canada Food Guide, designed to help Canadians make better, more nutritional food choices, featured a simple four-color scheme representing a balanced diet. Yellow for grains, green for vegetables and fruits, blue for dairy products, and red for meat and meat alternatives. Later editions of the Food Guide acknowledged that a one-size-fits-all approach didn't really address the complexities of Canada's rapidly changing demographics. Age, gender, cultural considerations, and the desire by many for alternatives to meat and dairy meant that the key to good nutritional health was the ability to personalize information contained within the guide. This posed a problem for kitchens and healthcare settings, many of which had been caught up in the trend toward lower-cost, prepackaged meals. Known as Retherm, these outsourced meals may have been initially viewed as an effective means of streamlining a necessary but often expensive component of a hospital stay. But lately, and especially in countries like the US and Great Britain, there's been a return to the production kitchen, a place where a more flexible menu of made-from-scratch meals can be produced from fresh ingredients. In the White Rock area, one healthcare facility that features a brand new full production kitchen is the Ellen Sinclair Kennett Lodge, located close to Peace Arch Hospital. In this episode, we'll hear from a food service expert who is a vocal supporter of the production kitchen and the benefits, great and small, that it would bring to a hospital like Peace Arch. Sue Kelly is regional manager of support services, including food operations with Fraser Health. She's joined by Amy O'Leary, Director of Philanthropy for the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation. They spoke with veteran broadcaster and longtime White Rock, South Surrey resident, Wayne Cox. Now, Sue, today we're talking about nutrition in the healthcare setting. So naturally, we turn to you because you're the Regional Food Operational Manager for Peace Arch Hospital and Delta Hospital which sounds deceptively simple for what's likely a very complicated position. Maybe you could walk us through your typical day and maybe what you would do, who you would speak to, to ensure that things happen on a daily basis in a busy hospital like Peace Arch and happen in a positive way. Okay, well, let me start by saying there's no typical day in my life. I wake up 6 a.m. checking emails for all the sites to see, first of all, do I have people, have my people shown up? Do I have a roster so that we can actually feed the patients? 
So that's been number one on our agendas as everybody in the hospitals right now with the staffing shortages worldwide, that's been a challenge. So as soon as I learn that we have a full roster or that we are able to get a full roster, I venture my way into the sites. I work two days a week at Delta, three days a week at Peace Arch. However, moment to moment that can change. I can be at Peace Arch and have to head over to Delta to put out fires or whatever may happen. Basically, my role here is to support the staff in order that we can, like I said before, so that we can feed the patients well. My priority is to ensure that the patients get really high quality, nutritious, appetizing food. The hot food's hot, the cold food's cold. Within the whole hospital setting, I used to oversee a lot of other support services, so I really understand how hospitals work inside and out. So I do have great relationships with all other departments. I'm very friendly with maintenance, as known as FMO, as we have broken equipment all the time. So by offering cookies and muffins, we get our equipment fixed maybe a little quicker than other departments. We have lots of tricks up our sleeves. That sounds like bribery to me, Sue. Hey, you got to do what you got to (laughs) do. Whatever works. Whatever works. You know, a lot of people say, I don't know how you do it, but I think that all of my colleagues and I who manage these departments, I think we're a little bit crazy because we kind of like it. (laughs) Well, you talk about, you know, obvious things like good nutrition and the related health benefits to that. Tell us a little bit about your background in the industry and how you came to be with Fraser Health. Well, it goes right back to, I don't want to criticize my parents cooking because they were both fair cooks. However, I became a love of cooking really young in life. I was cooking by the time I was 10. Big foodie in high school, wasn't crazy academic. So I really turned to home economics was my true love. Give me cooking classes, nutrition classes, sewing classes. I even ended up in woodwork. I grew up in Burnaby. I went to Burnaby Central Senior Secondary where they had a really huge cafeteria nutrition program. And I worked there for two years. I worked in the morning before school started. I worked right through lunch. I worked after school, all for the experience and credits. And I was really happy enough to get a bursary, which I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like most kids who come out of high school, you don't know what you want to do. And I ended up working as a food service worker. So I started from the very bottom at Holy Family Hospital. I'd never seen a food service supervisor. I'd never seen a dietitian before. I didn't know anything about it. I thought that's pretty cool. So I took my bursary and I went off to Langara College and did the food service management program. And two and a half years later, I did my practicum at Burnaby Hospital and then they hired me. So I was back in 1991, all of 21 years old. I was now a supervisor and it was scary, but I didn't let anybody see that, I'm sure. I lived four blocks down the street from Burnaby Hospital. So Burnaby Hospital, I think at one point my whole family worked there. So it was very community orientated and I learned from some of the best. I worked there for 12 years. From there, I went to Felburn Care Center in North Burnaby, where I really, really learned what long-term care was all about. I worked under a dietitian who had a heart of gold when it came to seniors. And I don't know if I would be where I am today without her really teaching me 
just how to deal with seniors and what they like. And, and that was back really old school. So I come from a great ground of learning. And then my next place of work was Queens Park, again, another long-term care center and rehab center. And that's where I was able to take everything that I had really learned in the past and really put it together. And we had a fantastic kitchen at Queens Park. They still do. It's a beautiful production kitchen. And that's where I delved into diet technician, recipe development, menu development, all that fun stuff. I was right out in the kitchen, helping the cooks and developing recipes and tasting food. It was probably one of the funnest jobs I've ever had. And then from there, I upgraded my education some more and started going into management. I worked at Eagle Ridge. And then I started this portfolio in 2018 with Peace Arch and Delta. And again, just learning, learning, learning every day. And I have to admit, I I love it. And I think what you should put on your business card now is foodie with a capital F. Your love of food obviously comes out and healthy diets are a must for hospital setting. But I'm sure you've seen over the years a real change in the way a hospital kitchen operates or the food is delivered, that kind of thing. Well, I've seen so many different ways of food operations. When I started at Burnaby, it was cook-serve. You cooked from scratch and you served it then and there. And then Burnaby Hospital, they continued to cook their own food, but then they went into the retherm way of back in the 90s. That's when the retherm kitchens were all the rage. I was going to jump in there and ask you, what is retherm? What does that mean? That's actually a really good question because a lot of people don't know what that means. So retherm, it can be retherm or prepared kitchen. Basically what that means is you're not doing any cooking at all. You're bringing in everything that's already been prepared and it's usually frozen. So we have our suppliers, Gordon Food Service, and they, with some help from Fraser Health and Health Pro Canada, we have some buying power as the whole hospital system over Canada. So they source, you know, Stouffer's, Campbell's. They're very good products. A lot of these companies, they've actually worked with us to ensure that the sodium levels, trans fat, all of the carbohydrates, everything that we need to fully meet the complement of nutritionals is met. But the difference is, is so production kitchen, you're cooking from scratch. Retherm, the best way I can explain it is airline food. That would probably be the easiest way. The food comes in prepared. It goes onto the tray prepared and it goes into what we call berlage wagons. There's all sorts of different types of retherm wagons. Ours are berlage. They're very fancy, very expensive. They're made in Italy. And so when they break down, we have to get the parts from Italy. So it's not always ideal. The best part about retherm kitchens is the hot food is very hot and the cold food is very cold. But it is good food, though, correct? Even though you don't supervise the making of the food, you must somehow have a feeling that it's going to be good food for people. Well, what happened is back in the 90s when Retherm was all the craze, because you weren't cooking the food any longer, you wouldn't need as many production workers or cooks. So the idea was that we knew the prepared food would be more expensive, but we thought the labor would be a lot lower. So we really did think that this was going to be cost effective. Unfortunately, that never came to fruition. Now, I don't want to say that the food is not good and healthy because it is. It's the very same as you going to the grocery store and picking up a lasagna. The lasagna is nice. It's good. You can even look at your ingredients to see if that's what you want. But it's never really going to match making a lasagna from scratch. There's nothing wrong with it. 
But even at home, you know, we do a little bit of both. But when you have a retherm kitchen, your hands are really tied. You're kind of held hostage to your suppliers. A really good example of this is during the pandemic and then the floods and the fires, the supply chain was completely disastrous. So we have still three retherm kitchens in Fraser Health. It's us, Peace Arch, Surrey and Langley, and the rest of the kitchens are all production kitchens, which is cooking from scratch. So if we couldn't get, I'll just use an example, maybe we couldn't source cheddar cheese for whatever reason. And you know how kooky it was back in the pandemic. It could be just a whole dairy farm could have been shut down because everybody had COVID. Or it could be the production plant had an issue with a piece of machinery and now they can't make your product. So the production kitchens could just swap out. If we're not going to use cheddar cheese, we'll use Colby. We use Monterey Jack. We'll do something. Well, we would have to source a whole new product and that takes a long time. And sometimes we couldn't even source the product. So again, I'm just going to say you're a bit of a slave to what you can get from your suppliers. You have much more flexibility in the traditional type of cooking and kitchen then, correct? Oh, when you have a production kitchen, the sky's the limit. I mean, the thing that's so lovely about production kitchens is whether it's acute care, long-term care, like I'll take an instance at Queen's Park, you might have somebody who's, whether they're in rehab or long-term care, and they're just having a heck of a day. And you go up and speak to them and they say, gosh, you know what I just like? All I really want is a fried egg sandwich. Well, presto, I can run downstairs and make you a fried egg sandwich and bring it up. Not that we try and do too much of that, but we can do special little things. We can take somebody's recipe from long-term care. You know, maybe their grandma had a great carrot cake recipe and we could actually make that and we could take it for the birthday party. So it's just all the little extras, you know, that you get to do. That's fabulous, especially in a facility that we're going to talk about, the Ellen Sinclair Kennett Lodge. That's a return to the old-style kitchen, and we'll talk to you about that in a minute. A 2017 study by Healthcare Can on the role of food in hospitals found there was a growing awareness that patients need nutritious, appealing food to encourage them to eat in order to regain their strength and heal faster. More specifically, the study noted that patients wanted fresher food and more choice and control over their mealtime options while in hospital. Besides supporting better health, the more personalized approach had the added benefit of offering a degree of normalcy in the patient's daily routine. Those taking part in the study agree that serving patients foods they enjoy will lead to better patient recovery and an overall positive experience during their hospital stay. In fact, another study cited in the Healthcare Can report found that patients who gave their food a top rating also more likely to rate their hospital stay as the best possible experience. We're going to bring Amy into the conversation now just for a quick recap of the foundation's role in the Ellen Sinclair Kennett Lodge. We've talked about it in past podcasts, but Amy, maybe you could just give us a little snapshot of what the lodge is all about. The Ellen Sinclair Kennett Lodge opened in April 2020, and this was a really exciting project for the foundation. Peace Arch Hospital Foundation owned the land that this facility was built on, and we financed the build. We went to the community and raised $10 million towards it, and it was really supported by the community. People really loved the idea of having a long-term care facility where their family members would 
have access to a production kitchen. So for us, it was really exciting. The Ellen Sinclair Kennett Lodge is a 200-bed long-term care facility featuring a 15-bed George and Sylvia Melville hospice home and a 73-bed elder mental health unit. This is a state-of-the-art building, and we're very proud to be partnering with Fraser Health. I've spoken to many, many donors whose family members live in the lodge, and they always talk about the food. We're very proud of the work that Sue and her team do there because we know it has a big impact for patients. These are their homes. This is where they live. And having access to choice when it comes to their food and what they're going to be eating and how they celebrate special occasions, it means so much to patients and their families. So we're very proud of this project. Well, Amy, if people want to know more about Ellen Sinclair Kennett, the Lodge's namesake, they can check out our previous episodes where we explore in great detail the life and accomplishments of this remarkable person. She really was something. And Sue, the new production kitchen in the lodge is getting all kinds of rave reviews. It offers so much in terms of the food that contributes to a patient's recovery. Oh, yes. Well, I think that one of the main concepts when we started planning for the lodge, I just came on board in 2018 and the building was being built at that time. So we did a lot of work to look and see what do we really want? Because we know that the menu really drives everything in every operation. Ridge Meadows Hospital had just went from being a retherm kitchen and they turned it into a production kitchen. So we were really lucky to watch everything that was going on there because they're doing fantastic now, but they did have some failures. And so we all know that we learn more through failures than we do wins. So I studied that place like nobody's business to make sure that we didn't fall into the same traps. And what we did see at Ridge Meadows was we have several different menus in Fraser Health. We have prepared menus, we have a production menu, and when Ridge Meadows did their swap over, they were using the standard production menu, which is a good menu, but it's a bit of a beast of a menu. It's really meant for acute care. It's got lots and lots of hidden choices. So we knew that with the style of service that was going to be in the lodge is called dining room service. What that means in long-term care, we have six separate serveries. Each servery is serving 28 people. We needed to make sure that we had room for all of the items. We didn't want to have too many items, but what we really wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that these items, they have to be healthy and nutritious, but we really wanted to make them look good and tasty and fun stuff on the menu. I was always looking at what did my parents eat because that's the age group we're dealing with. So we have lots of fun menu items. We have chow mein, we have fried rice. We have spring rolls. We've got some curries on there. We have hamburgers. We have like the whole gamut. We really sat in a room and we created this menu that we've now called the neighborhood menu that was developed just for the lodge. And now we are rolling it out to Fleetwood Care Life and to Chorney. It was a fun menu to make, but where I want to talk about choice here so we don't get too confused, it's not like there's a choice of do you want chicken or beef. The idea behind the ideology and the guiding principles of this menu were let's not make it terribly complex. Breakfast is breakfast. We always have an amazing oatmeal that's got a little bit of extra calories and extra protein that we slip in there, but it's super yummy. And then there's usually egg and toast. There's any kind of cereal that you want because cold cereal is available at any time during the day. Lunchtime, it's always a nice hot entree, whether it's a comfort food, macaroni and cheese, or if it's something a little bit more progressive, like a plant-based bangers and mash. (laughs) 
So the idea behind it is the food service worker actually dishes up the plate of food in the servery and hands it to the care staff who then takes it over to the resident. If the resident says, I don't feel like having that today, then that's fine. We can offer them a sandwich. We always have other sandwiches as a hidden choice. Do you want just a piece of toast and cheese? How about a banana? Do you want some cold cereal? So they're very simple choices. It's nothing that's all that complex. And you know what? Do you want ice cream? Maybe you just want dessert and that's okay too. When you get to this point in your life, this is about quality and you get to have what you want. One of my favorite dietitians when I was younger said to me, when and if I end up in long-term care, please just thicken my gin and blend my cheesecake. And <laughs> that stuck with me. And I thought, yeah, that's the concept. The exciting part is I said that you get to order what you want, when you want, how you want. But it's off of a restaurant-style menu. So it's like a one-page. It's got maybe 15 breakfast items and then maybe 10 different entrees, hot and cold, different salads. And so that's how it goes. We also have a South Asian menu that we've already created. So all of those options are available. And we are looking at getting some halal choices on the menu as well. You know, we need to make sure that everyone is having a nutritionally balanced meal. And and again, something that they like. So if it goes back to the families having to bring in items. We do have our special menus, our South Asian menu that has a lot of vegetarian items and anybody can choose off of that menu. We want to support the foods that are comforting to them as well. You know, macaroni and cheese might be my thing, but some lovely hot doll might be perfect for somebody else. It just comes down to comfort food and what will they consume? So we do have all those recipes and products as well. Now, Sue, I have a pen and paper here. I'm just going to take the phone number down for reservations because this is sounding pretty good to me, I'll tell you. And I think that's the goal, isn't it? It not only sounds good, but it tastes good and it's good for you. In this day and age, man, do we ever make things complex. It's so simple when you just come back and think, all we want you to do is eat. Eat and enjoy. Because if you're consuming the food, you're almost the whole way there. The thing is, you can go and say breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we have 1,800 calories, we know how much fat, how much carbs, how much protein, this and that. But if you put it in front of the resident and they don't eat it, well, all of that goes out the window. So the main priority is, what is it that you want? You know, the challenge, it's really funny. I think of a time where the first year of the lodge opening, me and one of my colleagues went and we got about 20 of the residents together and we wanted to kind of get a sense of what are you liking? What are you not liking? Well, it was the most comical thing because one person would say, I want more peas. And somebody in the back would say, I hate the peas. It's a hard job to please everyone. But I think at the lodge, they're doing a fantastic job with waste audits. They're going around, they're looking, they're seeing, okay, what's being wasted? What are they not eating? And they will put different menu items on the fly all the time. That's amazing. So it's always a work in progress. I don't think a menu is ever set. It's constantly changing. Another great thing about choice dining is that, again, the patient, they get to choose what they want because currently what's happening right now, we do a really good job of keeping waste in the kitchen very, very low. But our big part of waste is once we send those trays upstairs, unfortunately, we're getting 50% of the food coming back into the kitchen, which goes into the organics. What we've learned and what we know, especially from women and children's, is that actual plate waste from the units comes way down when you're doing choice dining because people are asking for what they want. 
they can even get a half of a sandwich. So again, what we're finding is less waste, which again, everything that we're looking at is towards planetary health and just trying to help the environment as well. If I can just jump in before we move on. Yes, Amy. I would love to just offer an example. So about choice dining, I had the honor of knowing Ellen Kennett personally. And when she was end of life here at Peace Arch, just before she passed, she spent a time in Weatherby and I went to go and visit her there. And she said to me, Amy, I just want a banana. Hmm. I just want a banana. I'm tearing up right now because it's such a simple thing. But when people come to our hospital, they just want a banana. And I'm so proud of this project. And it is very exciting to be able to offer something like that to our patients and their families. Now, Amy, tell us what the foundation's role through all of this is. I mean, it sounds marvelous from a kitchen standpoint, but what about the foundation? What are you doing to help out? So Peace Arch Hospital Foundation, we work very closely with Fraser Health on projects like these. We've been having conversations with Sue and her team now for years about the vision. We love to talk about what could it look like here at the hospital and what could be the environment for food and how could that impact patients. So we love talking about the vision vision first. And then we start advocating. We start working with Fraser Health and saying, you know, this is something that is important to our patients. It's important to our donors. It's important to our community. We started talking to some of our donors and boy, are they excited. Most people in White Rock, South Surrey have either stayed at Peace Arch or had family members stay at Peace Arch or on the campus, and they are excited. So when we start to see that, you know, we want to talk to Fraser Health about, okay, how can we work together to move this project forward? So that's exactly what happened. Um, It's been approved to move ahead. We understand that the business plan is in progress right now. So Fraser Health is working hard to see, you know, where is the kitchen going to live? What is it going to look like? What are the features going to be? And we're kind of standing by. So as soon as we get more of that information, we're ready to go out and start talking to donors about how to make it happen. So we're kind of on standby right now, but we're having the conversations already. And I just can't say enough how excited people are for this. I hear people's personal stories of the care at Peace Arch all the time. I can give you one example. I have a donor whose mom is at Al Hoak, which is a long-term care facility here on the campus. And she brings her mom dinner for the whole week, every week. Her mom wants other food, different options, you know. And so the stoner of ours, she brings her food every week and she's happy to do it, but I'm sure it adds a lot of work and stress to her life. And when the lodge opened, she did come through and she said, boy, I wish I could get my mom over here because that kitchen looks amazing. And we would love to be able to offer that experience because we really do feel like it enhances the care and the healing We believe here at the foundation that how we eat and the choices that we make impact our ability to heal. We know that nutrition and healing are intrinsically linked and having access to comfort food when you want it and just knowing that you have the choice is an empowering thing when you're a patient in a hospital. It's not an easy thing. Usually patients coming in are having a hard time. This is not an easy thing to be receiving care at a hospital. So we know that having some choice in what goes on is really empowering and nourishing and that people will have a better ability to get better. According to a 2014 report, a typical large hospital throws out more than one ton of food a day. 
And in some Canadian hospitals, over half of the food served to patients ends up uneaten. Although there may be any number of reasons for food being left on a patient's tray, studies show that unappetizing outsourced meals are a contributing factor to this wastage. An article on the healthing.ca website describes an alternative approach taken by a Montreal hospital. By cutting ties with expensive outside food vendors and producing all meals in-house, similar to what is being planned at Peace Arch Hospital, the facility reduced its cost per meal by almost $2. This return to a traditional production kitchen also gives patients the freedom to choose what food they want when they want it. As a result, food waste at the Montreal Hospital fell from 45% in 2012 to just 5% in 2019. Well, Sue, as Amy just pointed out, the foundation is pretty much ready to roll. Now, are you going to be using the lodge kitchen as more or less a template to work from as you make the transition in the main campus? Yes. Well, you know, a production kitchen at Bridge Meadows is going to be the same at the lodge and the same that we're going to be putting in here. If I could just go into a little bit of background, it was about 2019, I think, when the foundation approached me. I have to say, when I came in here at 2018, this is the first retherm kitchen I'd ever worked in. And I walked through and I was almost in tears. I'm like, there's not even a toaster in the place. (laughs) So when the foundation came knocking on my door, because we're just down the hall from one another, and said, do you have any appetite to put a production kitchen in? I said, no pun intended, I have a huge appetite because that's my background, right? And then that nasty pandemic came along. Mind you, we really paddled through. We pushed through. I was very, very honest with the foundation and with my leadership to say, okay, I can create recipes, I can create menus, I can manage staff, I can do this, that, and the next thing. I don't know how to build a kitchen. I don't know how. And certainly off the side of my desk. So at that point, the foundation was fantastic. And they stepped up to the plate and they gave us $40,000. And that was the Healthy Community Steering Committee. And they liked what they heard. And so they agreed with me. And we hired this fantastic kitchen design company named Kaizen Kitchen Design. They're back east. They do all sorts of work for all the health authorities in Canada and especially some huge private hospitals in the U.S. And that's where the foundation said, okay, go out, do some research. The stars are your limits. Just any kooky idea that you have, bring it to us. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) So the production kitchen cooking from scratch is number one, of course. But the really exciting piece about the new production kitchen is what's called choice dining. If you don't mind, I'd like to speak to that for a minute. Absolutely. For me, this is the most exciting part. We know that when we have such a huge senior population here in White Rock, South Surrey, and a lot of people when they're entering through Emerge, they're malnourished already. And getting them to the point where they're going to be a little bit more nourished obviously is going to help the healing process and make them feel better as well as hopefully get them back home as quick as possible as well. So we know that people eat differently when they're sick. I eat differently when I'm sick. And if you have to be admitted to hospital these days, you're pretty darn sick, right? Hmm. So how we serve right now is we serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Whether you like it or not, at dinner time you're going to maybe get a big serving of shepherd's pie piece. Like it's a lovely meal, but I don't know if I'm not feeling well. I just might want a bowl of chicken noodle soup and a bun and maybe some jello. <laughs> yeah. So choice dining, they're doing a pilot at Surrey right now and at RCH. And Women and Children's has been doing it for a few years now. So I went down and had a little field trip down there to see what's going on. So there's a bunch of different ways that choice dining works. 
is one with our software. We have Seaboard software and there's a patient app that you can download. And so you can be up on fifth floor medicine laying in your bed and you can order your meals that way just on your phone. Wow. Yes. And then a really cool feature as well is that if my mom was in hospital here in White Rock and I'm working downtown, I can download the app as well and I can order her meals for her. Wow. And I know what she likes. Yeah. And now I know my mom's going to get the food that she likes. I'm going to have a bit of peace of mind that I know she's getting what she wants and I don't have to, like Amy was sharing, run up with food all the time for my mom. And then the nicest part of all of it, because I think that technology is great, love technology, but I think we've really lost the human touch. So what we're saying that we will supply as well is what's called food ambassadors. This is a human being who will actually go up to the unit and they will take the patient's order. So it would be something like at breakfast time, you would take the order for dinner because the person might not know two days in advance of what they want to eat, but they know how they're feeling in that time. Not only will that food ambassador be there just to take the order, but they'll actually physically be going down to the kitchen. They'll be making up the tray. They'll be bringing it back, serving the tray. Sometimes the barrier of just getting the patient's tray to the patient is that sometimes it's as simple as the bedside table is cluttered. So the food service worker doesn't have the time because we just don't have time or budget right now with this system. We put it back on the wagon, hoping that nursing will come by, clean off the table and put the tray on. This way, food service people are doing food service work. Nursing can do nursing work, right? Mm -hmm. So we can clear off the table. We can offer the patient, would you like to wash your hands before you have your meal? We can take the cover off. If there's any awkward little jams or margarine containers, we can undo those for them. We're hoping to have a beverage cart. So instead of using pre-portioned milks and juices, we can actually pour it there on the spot for them. And then the other thing is, you know, having some socialization. If you go up to one of the senior floors here in the hospital, like the rehab floor, we have some fantastic tray deliverers. When they go in, they've just got a flair about them and they'll talk and there's banter back and forth. And again, it's that human touch that you get to know the patient, the patient gets to know us. So that's the most exciting part of the production kitchen in my eyes. Now, Amy, in terms of healthier communities, I imagine sending patients home who have been fed a nutritious, balanced diet must have some kind of ripple effect. We think so. Like Sue said, there's a large percentage of patients who are coming to our hospital already malnourished. So we hope that investing in nutritious meals would have a ripple effect. And we really believe that that is going to happen. So we do believe that when patients come to the hospital and they have access to healthy, nutritious food to help get them better and provide them with the resources and education when they leave, that hopefully this can be sort of a community hub for health and nutrition. People will know that we have a hospital and a cafe, cafeteria. We're not sure what that vision looks like for the soup food on site, but we would love for it to be a place where families come just to enjoy a good meal, that our medical staff know they can come here and they can just have a great, nutritious, filling meal when they're here working long hours. And the same with patients and their families, that our cafe and our food services here is a hub of information so that if they're not sure how to cook or how to get access to nutritious food, that when they leave the hospital, they have more access to that information. So we really do feel like it's going to have a ripple effect. 
Our foundation supports local programs and initiatives to assist in creating the healthiest community possible through both our Healthy Community Grants Program and our Healthy Community Steering Committee. It is our mandate to advocate for a healthy community, increased awareness of and access to health and wellness opportunities within our community, and investing in initiatives that focus on healthy lifestyles. And we do feel here that nutrition is going to be top on that list. We really feel that helping to invest in upstream health. So helping people to be healthier in their lives now will make it so that they need the hospital less in the future or future generations will need the hospital less. So we at the foundation here, we really do believe in investing in healthcare in a broader sense. So helping people to have access, education, understanding, and the ability to eat better, exercise, know where their outdoor options are here to really have a fulsome access to all of those opportunities. One of the words that I heard you say, Amy, was the hub, the hub of the community. When the foundation first approached me, I did go back in time to find out 18 years ago, what was this place like? And talking with Ron Stevenson, the old manager from FMO, a lot of the people, the staples here of the building, they said the kids from the high school used to come up the street and have lunch. And then the seniors from the community would come in and have lunch or dinner, or maybe breakfast. It was affordable. It was nutritious. It was socialization. So when I heard all this, I thought, that's what we want to bring back. This, is, this was the hub of the community. So the other piece around that is when the foundation said, aim for the stars, I thought, yes, so we came up with some great ideas. Like, could we get a patio? And on that patio, could we get an herb garden? And then with that herb garden, could we cook with that those herbs? Could we get some honeybees to support planetary health again? And then a really cool thing that's happening in the States is, you know, we discharge people. We try and give as much education as possible before they leave, but with discharges happening so quick, it doesn't always happen. Can we invite them back in and have set up in the cafe some teaching areas where we would have our culinary chef that we've just hired to do some actually teaching what does a healthy heart meal look like and how simple it can be and bring everybody back in so that the seniors can know how maybe they're only cooking for one and we can cook a whole batch and people can go home with a little bit too. So there's so many ideas that we do want to support the entire community. It's not just being about in hospital, but how do we support you once we discharge you? I just want to say Fraser Health is working on the business plan right now. We do expect in the coming months to have more information about the details and what this kitchen and the community hub and everything is going to look like. We are standing by at the foundation. Our donors are standing by. We'll have more information in the coming months. And then we're so excited to share it with the community and start getting the fundraising going to help make this project happen. It's really a turnaround, isn't it? I mean, everything old is new again, but still it's just so exciting and refreshing to be heading in this direction. And I'm sure, Sue, you know that a full production kitchen means you're going to be busier than ever, but probably you'll be incredibly happy at the same time, will you? Well, it's even more exciting because we've just hired a culinary chef to be on our team and he's going to be working with me. We have so many pie in the sky ideas of the planetary health. We're such polluters in hospitals that we have to do something to give back. And we know 
that if we get good recipes, people are choosing what they want, when they want to eat. They're going to get better quicker. They're going to be at home quicker. It's super duper exciting. And you know, my plan is to retire at 60. And I was always thinking this might be my swan song. But if it goes so well, I might just stick around for a few more years. (laughs) (laughs) And Sue, thank you for all your wonderful work. And Amy, thank you and the foundation for your wonderful work too. And we would also like to thank the public, the people who are donating to this worthy cause. And I hope they understand now where some of those dollars are going and how important it is. So thank you both for shining a light on an aspect of the hospital that we often talk about but don't really hear the -the behind-the-scenes stories like you've been able to tell us today. Thank you, Sue. And thank you, Amy. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you, Wayne. The Power to Heal podcast, presented by Peace Arch Hospital Foundation in White Rock, British Columbia, takes you behind the scenes of an innovative hospital foundation and introduces you to the team who find new and sometimes surprising ways to engage with the local community and help fund the best healthcare possible in the region. Since 1988, the foundation has raised over $210 million for capital projects, medical equipment, and community health programs. Their passionate and caring team's number one priority is the prudent stewardship of your gifts and the resulting positive impact on patients and medical staff at Peace Arch Hospital and the entire White Rock South Surrey community. Peace Arch Hospital Foundation, where innovation comes to life in so many ways. The simple act of giving is truly transformational. Every dollar we receive is enhancing healthcare in this community, whether it's supporting our capital infrastructure, the purchase of essential medical equipment, or funding a wellness program like stroke recovery or a children's club to encourage healthy habits and active play. Our wide range of giving options includes monthly donations, an increasingly popular and convenient choice that makes the greatest impact on your community hospital. You just sign up once and the rest is automatic. And that includes receiving a consolidated tax receipt at the end of the year. But no matter what giving option you choose, it all matters and it all makes a difference. Be sure to subscribe to Power to Heal wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Each episode brings you inspiring stories about the Peace Arch Hospital Foundation and its innovative approach to supporting better health care throughout the White Rock South Surrey community. Thanks for listening. Another Everything Podcast production. Visit everythingpodcast.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.